Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder, and this is BRN Sunday for Sunday, March 5th, 2023. We've got members of the media, academia, financial services, and government standing by as we analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. But if you're tired of the same kick the show off as we always do with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill in terms of legislation, litigation, regulation, and a lot more joining us on the line. They're known as the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, thanks so much for making some time for us this morning. Jeff, as always, we appreciate you having us. It's great to be with you here on BRN, especially as we start to turn our thoughts to spring. Although if you live out west, although if you live out west, you're probably buried under snow. So I realize it's not really spring yet. Well, hope springs eternal, um, and spring is sprung and it's on its way. Kevin, I want to come to you because um, Marty Walsh, no relation to you. I uh, just want to be very clear about that. I know you've been clear about that in the past. He has left the Labor Department and has moved on to the National Hockey League, one of my favorite uh, sports. Uh, but there is a new nominee potentially for Department of Labor. Yeah, Jeff, and that's a that's a, a great segue. You know, as we go through this season of change uh, with with spring arriving, we've also going through we're going through a season of change at the Labor Department. Um, you know, Secretary Walsh, former mayor of Boston, soon to be uh, NHL Players Union uh, head, uh, has is leaving the Labor Department, and that put President Biden in a position where you know he had to identify someone to nominate to go forward and lead the agency uh, at least until the end of his term or through confirmation. And the individual he's identified is currently the assistant secretary. So the number two at labor under Marty Walsh um, has been nominated now to take over the top job at, at labor. And so the, the individual identified is, is Julie Sue. Uh, she comes from California, where she actually served as the, the secretary of labor for the state of California. Hmm. Um, as we look at kind of a nomination process, one thing that we typically see is a slowdown in rulemaking a slowdown in enforcement, a slowdown in a lot of areas, because typically you'll see a sense that in a close confirmation vote, and uh, Julie Sue was confirmed for the number two job on a, a party line vote, um, you know, under the, the prior Senate, so a 50-49 vote, um, you'll see a slowdown in rulemaking as a way of, you know, trying to ensure that you don't lose any senators who you need to vote for you. Now, we're kind of in a dicey moment at labor where they've already engaged in some controversial rulemaking. And I think David's going to talk about that more later. Um, but, you know, one of her big initiatives while she was in California was cracking down on independent contractors who, you know, could otherwise be classified as employees. Um, and the Labor Department currently has rulemaking going on, which would redo independent contractor classification. So there's already one rule that's going to be very contentious. And that has some of us wondering if, you know, labor's going to take a different tact here. And instead of waiting on complex or controversial rulemaking, um, if they're going to just, you know, since there's already one controversial rule, if they'll move forward with other controversial rules. And, 
you know, as we know, we've talked about other times, uh, EBSA has a, which is the, the retirement agency within labor, has a, a fairly robust regulatory agenda. And so we'll have to see if the nomination of, of Assistant Secretary Sue to the top job uh, has an impact on those rulemaking initiatives. Um, David, do you have anything you want to add on, on the nominee or do you want to pivot to, you know, one of the more recent controversial rules? Well, you know, I'll add one note. I think you hit it really well. It's going to be interesting to see on the regulatory agenda. My personal assumption is that we're going to keep rolling down the path. They've got a lot on the DOL's agenda at EPSA, and I expect they'll keep going there. And I definitely do think we'll see things more on contractors and contingent workers coming out of the agency. But I'd love to pivot, if you'll let me, Kevin, into uh, the other news of the week, which is Congress on uh, on the precipice – of at this point um, getting the EBSA's ESG rule sort of rolled back, rolled back with the Congress, Congressional Review Act. At this very moment, the reality is is that President Biden, he may have vetoed it by the time we get there or will be vetoing it, as he said, unless something changes. But it shows that the division at this point over – ESG and try, between the Democrats and Republicans, it's not 100% that way, is incredibly stark because clearly there were some who were large detractors of the Trump administration version of ESG guidance. And then there's the Biden administration version, which is definitely you know, more open to ESG, although they all sort of stick within the same sort of fiduciary prudence corridors. They're just slightly different takes. So where does this take us? It shows that no matter what happens, the next time there's an administration flip, to me, we are likely to see a potential return to ESG, you know, the 16th time. And I think that's that, that, that that's a, a, a that's a big reality. But for right now, Congress will probably will keep trying to do things to roll back the Biden ESG. But as long as President Biden has a veto pen and as long as the numbers don't get to veto override levels, which are much higher than where they are now. We're looking at the ESG guidance from DOL remaining in effect, but we'll see what happens. Gentlemen, just real yeah. quick. Go ahead, Kev. Well, I was going to say, David, I think you're, you're right on with that. I, I can't see any way that, you know, that the ESG rule gets rolled back by Congressional Review Act or other process while uh, Biden is still president. But the fact that we're seeing a CRA challenge that, that has passed the House and has passed the Senate, it really signals that, you know, this ping ponging that we've talked about for you know, ESG rulemaking going back all the way to the Clinton years is likely to continue, you know, when there's a change in, in the party that controls the White House. Uh, gentlemen, if I could just ask one question. In terms of planning and, and for the fiduciaries out there, uh, you talked about the ping pong, and it is like almost like a tennis match or a ping pong match, back and forth, back and forth. How do you how do you plan? So if you're a product manufacturer, if you're a record keeper, if you're an employer, a plant sponsor, and you're considering these as options – are there things you need to be thinking about in your fiduciary quarterly meetings? Well, that's one thing to keep in mind, Jeff, is that you have to distinguish between people who are fiduciaries and not. I think there's different gradients of exposure risk that people are willing to take. And I, I say risk in quotes. It's because clearly if you're a plan-level fiduciary like a company or their committee, keeping this in mind and recognizing either you can go forward now and may have to change – if, if things things go forward, depending on where you go, or do you go 
more conservative and just not look at it. Some people are doing that. Or do you go down the middle and say, I'm going to try to find sort of maybe that economic ESG where I'm still putting a big economic factor at the center of it that you think might satisfy whether it's a Democrat or Republican administration. I think that's it. In terms of a product manufacturer, I, there, A, are you a fiduciary? If you are not a fiduciary, that's in, in the end, you are still creating a solution and for you, you can disclose this is how you try to address it under the current regulatory re- re- landscape. And that's where your your intermediaries, like your advisor or your consultants, and your lawyers can be very helpful in guiding you through this process. Yeah, really. And David, could I just add something on that? I mean, I, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're a planned fiduciary for an advisor, I mean, I, I think the unfortunate thing here is that even if rules are ping-ponging, you've got to comply with the rules that are in effect that day. So – you know, you can't you can't prepare for the next rule while the current rule is in effect. Um, but, you know, I, to some extent, you know, the meaning of the rule may be a little bit overblown. Um, recently, I've been watching a lot of, uh, you know, video podcasts that the Labor Department's been putting out uh, interpreting the rule. And, you know, there they've really been reinforcing the idea that, you know, when they say you can take ESG factors into account, what they're generally meaning is that you can take them into account if they're economically relevant. So there may be less distance between the Republican rule and the Democrat rule or the rule of today and the rule of yesterday. Um, there may actually be less difference than, than we're seeing in the press. Absolutely. You're so spot on, Kevin. Well, uh, gentlemen, we're going to leave it there. Really appreciate the excellent insight. We'll have to look and see how this continues to unfold, and that's why we talk to the Legal Eagles every week. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank, thank you, Jeff. Jeff, and thank you, listeners. Bye, gentlemen. Have a good weekend. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? 
Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. Time to take a look at the landscape, the market landscape, that is. Joining us on the line, he is the lead anchor of the TD Ameritrade Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, thanks again for stopping by this morning. You're welcome, Jeff. Always happy to. Yeah, I, you know, I'm taking notes as we talk because I always like to get your insights. It makes me feel so much smarter. All right, Oliver, um, let's talk markets, and, and why don't you give us the uh, your assessment this week? How do, how do things stand, and, and what does this mean for the broader economy? You know, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, not really a lot happened this week. This is just one of the more, like, quiet, um, muted five-day periods that I can recall in the last uh, several months. We did uh, get some strength in the market. We saw stocks firm up Thursday and Friday, and uh, that was after they got uh, hit and kind of drifted lower uh, for a few days there. So we kind of netted out slightly positive and overall a pretty good week for bulls, preventing a major downdraft. It kind of seemed like we were headed uh, for such a slide early on in the week because uh, economic data remained pretty strong, pretty firm, and that could have caused uh, a move lower in stocks because interest rates got back above 4% on the 10-year, but uh, stocks kind of took it in stride, and uh, I think the fact that the 10-year yield on the Treasury pushed back through 4% for the first time in months, and it didn't cause a big sell-off, I think that gave some uh, confidence to investors to to buy some of these companies that reported earnings this week, like Broadcom um, was pretty strong. Uh, Tesla's investor day was kind of a miss, uh, but the stock didn't drop too hard. So it was kind of a uh, sort of whole hub week, uh, waiting to hear from Jerome Powell next week. Yeah, uh, Oliver. I mean, I know we're waiting on Jerome Powell, but is it your sense that maybe the bulls have chased off the bears? Um, you know, you, you kind of if you're reading the tea leaves, you know, what are those tea leaves? What are they saying to you, Oliver Rennick? They're pretty divided right now. Um, there's a few lines on charts that a lot of people are watching. One is the 200-day moving average in the S&P. The other is this uptrending line that goes back to October when the stock market first started rallying. They all kind of bring you to around 4,000. And so this battle that's happening uh, really is not giving us much of an answer right now. There's no real clear winners or losers. I do pay attention to Bitcoin as a uh, indicator of kind of risk-taking appetite, and uh, we did see kind of a uh, an odd drop Thursday night. Um, we also heard that uh, Silvergate, the crypto bank, is uh, likely going to be going bankrupt. They said that they 
um, can't issue their earnings because um, they have to recalculate stuff and they might not be able to operate. Uh, so there was definitely uh, some negative stuff in that world, but it's possible that crypto is kind of diverging into its own separate entity. Um, but that being said, it's just something to keep an eye on as, uh, for the most part, growth companies and tech-oriented uh, stocks were, were largely mixed. You know, like we had some cloud and semiconductor earnings, some are up, some are down. And uh, because of that, it's sort of a stalemate-style week, I would say, with a little bit of edge in favor of bulls. And Oliver, you mentioned uh, Jerome Powell going to speak next week, and, and uh, that's always – has investors and and both institutional and retail investors on, I don't know, on the edge of their seats. And they've already voted to raise rates eight times in 2023. So what do you think we could hear? I mean, what are you looking for? Let me ask it this way rather than ask you to project or predict. But what are you you waiting to hear um, from the Fed and seeing the Fed notes? What I really want to see is if they add anything new to their playbook, um, which could be as simple as saying, you know, we're going to have another 25 base point hike, and that would be a little bit more than the market expects. Right now, kind of the consensus is building around a total of 75 bips more of hiking. Mm-hmm. So if that starts looking like a, closer to a percent, or that maybe one of those needs to be 50, but um you know, the inflation data were warm, but I'm not sure that's gonna it's enough really to cause Powell to change his tone. That was part of the reason why market stabilized this week is because the Fed speakers generally kind of aired on a little bit of a kind of a restrained commentary. Um there was a little bit of hawkish dialogue, but nothing really too bold or crazy from the Fed speakers. So that seemingly takes a little bit of pressure off Powell um, if they knew he was going to start pushing for 50 or an extra 25. They probably would have hinted that way, and some do want to see 50. But um, I just want to know if he is really paying attention to financial conditions, which have loosened quite a bit. He chose to ignore financial conditions loosening the most in a year mostly by way of the stock market uh, over the past month. And that, to me, was potentially a very risky move by him. So if he does start talking more about how asset prices, home prices, and uh, those types of things over the last uh, three months might complicate his goals, Mm -hmm. then that would be certainly interesting. But I don't really think he's going to because now interest rates have kind of started to push back up and conditions have tightened a little bit the last couple of weeks. So... I don't really think it's going to be that eventful, to be honest. Well, I, I think all eyes will be turned, all ears, eyes, and um, everything else will be turned to see what the Fed has <laughs> to say. I, I couldn't think of the other senses. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could use like yeah. ESP, but I guess we'll have to see how it turns out. So the calm potentially before the storm. Oliver Rennick, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for breaking it down in such succinct and sure, easy to understand ways. Have a good rest of your day, my friend. Appreciate that. Bye bye. Thanks, Jeff. 
Well, that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, visit our website, and of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, Roll with the changes.